every word that was prayed. Come on, let's give God a shout of victory in this place today. Come on, let me hear you. Let's give God a shout of victory in this place today. We believe every word as it was prayed. We give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. There's some victory coming to somebody's house that's in this room. There, there, and I'm talking about victory that has your name on it. I, I, I believe God has a special gift for you during this special holiday season where he's going to do something for you that you've been believing for, that you've been standing on, that you've been waiting for. I'm going to join my faith with somebody in this room that it will manifest during this holiday season. And if you're that person that the Spirit of God is speaking to right now, why don't you go ahead and give a down payment? Why don't you go ahead and give God praise in advance? Come on, give God glory for it in advance. God, I'm one of those. I'm in that line. I receive that. I receive it for this church, and I receive it for my family. Give you the glory in advance for it. In Jesus' name, praise God. Well, we celebrated the best volunteers on the planet this past Friday night. We brought in the heavy hitters of comedy. I mean, it was just hilarious. Marcus D. Wiley, Octatunde, or Akintunde, uh, Bone, and uh, I think Chocolate was her name. We just had a blast. And something that really blessed me, and I want to say this, then I'll allow you all to be seated. What really blessed me about it was they travel all over the place. And they said very few churches, very few, get all four of them to be a blessing to their congregation. And listen to this. And then don't charge. Usually if they get all four of us, they charge their own people a ticket price to come in and see them. And so what really blessed me about that was that they got a chance to see how volunteers and good people should be treated. That blessed me more than anything else. And I pray that they'll go share that with other pastors and other leaders everywhere that they go around the world. I pray that they'll go share that with them so that they can also take care of their volunteers the way Linked Up Church takes care of its volunteers. I personally don't believe we are who we are without the greatest volunteers in the world. So if you all would, would you give every volunteer a big round of applause? That was your church's way of just saying thank you. And if, if I could have a Marcus D. Wiley moment, here at Linked Up, Linked Up, Linked Up, not Linked Up, Linked Up, we're getting ready to start a new ministry. And it's called a, a Mint Ministry. <laughs> And so if you would, look over at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, God just instructed me to check and see if you need a man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, he didn't. <laughs> you had to be there to understand that one right there. But I cried. I mean, I laughed so much that night I had tears in my eyes. I woke up the next morning laughing, and just I'm still full uh, just from that event because a merry heart does good like medicine, okay? You all can be seated. Let's get into what God has for us today. We don't need to pray over prayers because Minister Deanna did an excellent job of praying today. And so we'll pick right up where we left off on last week, uh, talking about Jesus, the gift of God. And there are two things that I want to say, and then I'm just going to jump right to new information. You can always go back to SoundCloud and listen to everything that I said up until that point. But when you think about a gift, there are two words that really come to mind, and that's value and purpose. And value by definition means the worth of something, it's it's merit, it's importance, and you usually have how much you're willing to pay or sacrifice associated with that. And so when I think about Jesus, the gift of God, you know, if you really value that, how many know we'll treat it right? Right? And whatever you value, you have this tendency to always want to treat right. You know, I value my wife, so I want to treat her right. I value my children, so I want to treat them right. I value you all as members of this church, so I want to treat you right. And how many know if you always value something, you will treat it right? And you'll typically treat it the way you value it. And then there's another word, purpose, there when I think about a gift. Usually it's a value attached to it, then there's a purpose behind it. The purpose here by definition means the reason for which something exists 
or an intended or desired result. And so, again, people typically give gifts with some kind of purpose behind them, right? And I know for me, I'm standing up here today because there are several families, two in particular, that sacrificed a lot of resources from their own personal lives to help us get reestablished. And every time, you know, pastoring is sometimes it's, it's really going against the wind in a lot of cases. It's like swimming upstream in a lot of cases because, you know, I'm the, Satan's number one enemy. If you, if you smite uh, the shepherd, how many you know the sheep will scatter? And so there's always a lot of persecution, affliction, different things that is always coming at me. And so there are times, you know, I, I'm like, ah, do I really want to do this? Do I want to continue? Do I want to pastor for the rest of my life? If this is something I really want to do. And I get weary from time to time. And then I think about the sacrifices that were made and the gifts that were given so that I could stand up here today. And I always come back to that same conclusion. I need to treat that right. And how many of you value something, then you want to treat it right. And if you understand the purpose, the purpose behind those gifts to my wife and I and our families was so that we could do this. And so the reason God blessed us in that way was so that we can continue doing his will. And so at any point, and you'll see where I'm going with this today, at any point I forget about the purpose behind the gift, how many of you know I'll stop valuing? And so those are important things. It's foundational things. Now, we talked about five other things uh, prior to that, really understanding what was the purpose behind the gift of Jesus. We talked about uh, God wanting to further reveal himself to humanity. He wanted to get to know us better. We talked about number two uh, was Jesus came to fulfill God's promises to certain people. There were certain Old Testament prophets like Adam and David and Moses. Things were prophesied to them, and Jesus came to make good on God's word. Uh, also, Mary was in that group as well. Number three, we talked about on last week, Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses. He said, I didn't come to destroy that, but I came to do what? fulfill. Okay, number four, we talked about Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. I don't know about you, that, that's one of the biggest gifts I've ever received is the fact that I didn't have to go through that suffering and torture on that cross. He did that for me so that sin could no longer have any power over me, and I thank God for that. And we left off last week talking about Jesus came to bring a new covenant. God said, you know what, I no longer want to live in temples. I don't want to live in anything made by man. He said, I don't want to be in an ark of a covenant. I don't want to be in a temple. I want to live inside of the people that I love the most. You know, that's what makes the new covenant. Not only does it have new promises, but God was willing to leave heaven and come and live on the inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Anyone glad and thankful for that act right there? All right, let's pick up right here with number six today. Everything from here forward will be all new information. Number six Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So listen to this very carefully. His coming also was to destroy the works of the devil and the hold that he had over humanity. Now, all of us were born into sin. And before we were saved, we used to think of creative ways to sin at a higher level. Well, I was the only one like that. I was the only one like that. Did, did anyone couldn't wait till the weekend would come so that you could take sin to the next level? Oh, I was the only one again that lived like that? Come on, Jermaine. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking about we were born into that. If you have children, you'll notice that, that there are just certain things that they do that's in their nature. They're like, where did they learn that from? No, it's that sin nature. You know, they, they know they did it. Which one of you two did it? They'll point at each other. Now, one of them did it, right? But they'll point at each other. It's because we're born with that sin nature. Now, what I need you to understand is that Jesus came to destroy that nature and everything associated with that nature. So, if you would, go with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, okay? It says, but he that committeth sin is of the devil. I didn't get any amens right there, right? Committeth means to habitually do something, right? And so isn't that interesting how clear the Word of God makes that? If a person practices sin, their father is the devil. 
Now, there's no one in this room. I'm trying to help you minister to other people that you come across throughout the course of the week. It's not, how many of you know, as believers, we all miss it from time to time, right? Anyone willing to admit that? We all miss it. What should separate us from everyone else is that we don't practice it. Everybody clear? But we miss it from time to time. Anyone missed it since last week? My hand is up, so I know everyone's hand in here should be up. So anyone missed it since last week? You know, there's sins of commission, sins of omission. Things that, you know, we, we don't even, aren't even aware that we're doing, right? And so how many of y'all, again, are willing to honestly say, I, I missed it once or twice since last week? We all have. But here's the thing. That didn't come from a place of us trying to mess up, right? And then we're not planning on going back to do that again. That's what separates, okay? So he says, he that committeth sin practices it is of the devil. For the devil sinneth practices that from the beginning. Now watch this. For this purpose was the Son of God. Now it's important that he's identified here as the Son of God and not God himself. So God is revealing himself and his humanity once again through the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or that he was revealed for this purpose, that he might destroy the devil. Right? Is that right? Why was he manifested? To destroy the devil. To destroy what? Okay, so so let's understand that. Because the devil is still busy. And he is the God of this world. So notice, he didn't come to destroy the devil because it's not that time yet. He came to destroy his works. And there's a difference. Okay? The Greek word for works here, this was interesting as I went back and studied this last night. It means to toil. It means occupation. How many of you know the Satan's job is to try to destroy you? What you've got to understand is he has a job and he has a job description. And what Jesus is saying is I came to destroy that, to dissolve that, to loosen that up, uh, to, to, it also means here deed, it means labor, it means work, it means effort. So what I want you to understand is Satan is going to put some effort into trying to get after you. And he doesn't sleep or slumber just like God does it. So, so you've got to understand, in order to match that, you've got to be in tune at all times. I want to go real slow with just this one, okay, because this one is important. He said the Son of God was manifested. He was revealed, or another way to say that, he was born for this purpose, that he might destroy the effort, the occupation, and the toil of the devil. Destroy. Listen to what destroy means. It means to loosen. It means to break up. It means to dissolve. And it means to put off. All right. And so if he put this off, then that means whatever Satan's occupation is shouldn't work against you. All right. So now, what is the work of Satan? John chapter 10, verse 10 says that Satan came to do what? Kill, steal, and what? All right, so now let's make that real clear so we never confuse things that come into our life. If it's death, Satan was behind that. Okay, watch this. If something was stolen from you, Satan was behind that. It was a work of Satan. And think about this for a minute. Jesus came so that none of those works would work. So I'm going somewhere with this. So Jesus has done his part. So if something was stolen from us, what happened? Hmm? It was a work of the devil, but what else? Well, well, let's talk about one more. And then, so he came to what? Kill, steal, and what? All right. And so if something is destroyed in my life, you know, my wife and I, we love each other. But if our marriage blows up, how many know something was behind that? Right? And so clearly... You know, my children are going to be affected if our marriage is blown up and destroyed, right? So, so 
So then there's order in that marriage. There's a, a husband, a wife, right? So who's going to be the greater target, the husband or the wife? The husband, right? Because once again, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will do what? So if he can get the shepherd or the head out of the way, then that opens the wife up and it opens the children up. And that is a work. And so what you've got to understand is he is tireless. I mean, he tirelessly goes after families. And if you look at our world today, his greatest attack is on marriages. Because if he can destroy marriages, he can destroy the fiber of our society. Right? And so Jesus said, or God said, Jesus was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devils. And his work is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now, I want to encourage you today. If Jesus came to loosen that up and put that away, then guess what, folks? A weapon can form against you, but it shouldn't be able to prosper. Oh, let me try this out of the room over here. I mean, he can shoot his best shot, and he will. But we're supposed to win every single time. Right? And we're supposed to get to a place where we start saying, was that the best you could do? You mean to tell me you stayed up all night to shoot that little weak arrow? Come on, somebody. Right? And we don't get all worked up when things show up because we know the end result is always the same, and that's that we win. And if you don't understand, that's one of the major reasons why he came, then the enemy will always look to kill, steal, and destroy. And you've got to understand, that's his primary occupation. And you've got to be smarter than that. When you and your wife, your husband start going at each other, you've got to be able to see that that's a work of the devil. Right? That's a work of the devil. When you start seeing things stolen from you, you've got to know who's behind that. When you start seeing bill collectors, things repossessed, that's a work against you. But it's a work that should not be able to win long term. Okay, so then what's the resolve to that? Then I've got to go back and build a better relationship with, with Jesus. Right? And listen and get instructions from him on how to navigate through this situation. And trust me, he'll download information to you every time that it'll look like everything blew up in your life, but everything really didn't blow up. Everything just came up by the end result of that whole thing. And that's just how good God is if you'll stay in tune. If you won't blame him, come on, if you won't go off on people, if you won't blame people, if you'll just stay with God, God will bring you out better than anything that you ever went through. Come on, I'm a living witness. I wish I had a little bit more faith in this room today. Come on, God will loosen up and destroy every work that the enemy assigned against you and cause you to come out victorious on the other side with your foot standing on his head, holding up your victory banner because that weapon formed, but it did not prosper or win in your life. Come on, he can't have your marriage. He can't have your children. He can't have your money. He can't have your health. Come on, somebody. He can't have anything that concerns you and the Word of God. So he came to destroy the work of the devil. Anytime something goes negative in my life, I'm instantly looking for why. And I know it's not God. I'm trying to figure out where do I need to come up. Not by works, but by faith. Okay, how do I need to tap into more God's grace in this particular area so I don't see this anymore? All right? I could stay on that one really the entire service today. Somebody say, Satan, Satan. you are a defeated foe. Every work, every, work. Every, assignment every assignment that you have, that you have against, me against me and my family, my family. I render it, it vol, and I'm sorry, noid, void, null, null. And void. That's what I was looking for. Now give God some glory in this place today. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, anybody going through some challenges right now? Come on, don't get up tight. Don't get frustrated. Get your faith up. Get your grace up. And let God take you to the next level. I would never let the enemy see me down for one moment. I wouldn't let him see me sad. I wouldn't let him see me with my head hung low. I wouldn't, let, I wouldn't let him see me. I wouldn't care what it looked like. 
I'm getting ready to give God praise. I'm getting ready to give Him glory. Come on, I'm getting ready to dust myself off. I'm getting ready to pick my chin up. I'm getting ready to pull my shoulders back, and we're getting ready to go at this again, and I won't stop until I win. Even on a day when it looked like I've lost everything, I'm still going after this until I end up on the other side of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus came to destroy every work that he put against my life. Number six, number seven, Jesus came to judge the world righteously. This is one of my favorite ones as well. Jesus came to be a righteous judge of humanity. Scripture says that he is the one who will judge the world. Go with me to John chapter 5. Go with me to John chapter 5, and let's read verse 22 and 23. So oftentimes, because we live in a fallen world, how many know we deal with humanity? How many know they're going to make mistakes? And they're going to see things the wrong way, perceive things the wrong way, and that's just a part of living in life. So people are going to make wrong decisions about you, all kind of different things over the course of your life. But if you'll keep doing what's right because it's right, how many know the righteous judge will come in on the back end and fix it all up and make everything right, Okay. John chapter 5, look at verse 22 and 23. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Notice what it says here. The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Let's go to John chapter 5. Let's read where you're there. Read verse 27. Jesus also said, He have given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. And so he is a qualified judge to humanity because he came as a human being and he lived a victorious life. So his judgment will always be righteous and it will always be fair because he's gone through everything that we will ever go through and he's come out victorious on the other side. Now, let me explain something to you all. My wife is sitting right here to verify this. If I say anything inaccurate, she has permission to stand up and say that is wrong. Now, everyone in this building knows what we went through in September of Uh, 2013. And again, I'm saying this from a very positive place, so please keep your spirit wide open. How many know there was a decision made about our lives? And there were two opposing views. They saw things one way, and we saw things another way. Right? And so anytime you have opposing views, and the two sides feel strongly about where they feel, then how many know you now have to go to a higher authority? especially once the judgment comes down and it says, fire, you're done. Once the judgment goes down, then you have to appeal to a higher court. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. My wife is sitting right here. Once the judgment was made, she's sitting right here. I look at the person right in their eye and I said, sir, you do understand that heaven will judge this correctly. Am I right or wrong? Last words I said, and I said that I I know I was led by God to say it because in that moment I'm crushed. But yet a boldness comes on me. The Spirit of God rises up on the inside of me. I sit up on the end of my chair and I say, sir, you do understand that heaven will judge this correctly. How many know heaven has judged it correctly? Now, I want to teach you something today. I love Bishop Keith A. Butler with all of my heart. And I will forever appreciate everything that that man and that ministry has done for me for the rest of my life. If you think I'm getting ready to be a hater and talk about, you, you came to the wrong church, folks. 
No, I am going to show love and appreciation for all that was done for me because in reality, I am a lot of who I am and the man that I am today because of the word that was preached in that place, and he was the man that God used. And what you can see has happened to me over time. My heart has gotten softer and softer and softer, even to the place where I can say his name in church, Bishop Keith A. Butler. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Why? Because at the end of the day, he is a human being capable of making mistakes, and I shouldn't hold him in a prison for the rest of his life because I'm a human being capable of making mistakes. And if I make a mistake, how would I want people to treat me based off of how I'm treating somebody else? Come on, somebody. So we've got to get to a place where let God be God. Let him judge the situation. Keep your heart right. Keep doing what's right because it's right. Keep loving on people. Keep preaching the word. Keep doing what God told you to do and let God settle the score at the end of the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because God will get it right every single time. If you get fired unjustly, if someone leaves you unjustly, if someone steals from you and they are wrong, God will swoop in, judge that situation. Jesus Christ will say, not guilty. Give them back everything that they deserve. And Satan, since you're the one that was behind this in the, in the first place, give him back seven times greater than what he lost. Hallelujah. You keep your heart right and God will judge it and give you back seven times greater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love Bishop Keith A. Butler. I thank God for him. Can't wait to invite him to preach one day. The man has a good word in his mouth. At the end of the day, the man can teach and preach the gospel. He's one of the finest in the country. And so we've got to learn how to find what we can celebrate about people and stop focusing on the negative stuff all the time. And the positive thing is that man can preach the word of God. Hallelujah. Can you tell I'm a free man up here? And it's so good to be free. My wife's sitting right there, and I didn't say another word. That was the last thing I said, and I zipped. I grabbed my stuff, walked out of there with my head up. And now look at God. We've become a band of two armies now. Won't he do it? Can we just have a 10-second praise break? (laughs) Come on, somebody praise God with me for about, about 15, 20 seconds. Come on, somebody rejoice with me in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, he'll do it. And he'll do it every single time. He is no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, guess what? He will do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We didn't lose nothing. Listen to me. We went through the fire, but you can't even smell smoke on us. Why? Because he's a righteous judge. Stop fighting people. People are not our enemies. Satan is behind whatever people do. It is a work of Satan. At the end of the day, folks, all of that was a work of Satan. To kill, steal, and destroy. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Listen, I render every assignment against your life. I take authority over it right now. Every assignment against your family, your marriage, 
every assignment against your finances, every assignment against your, your health. I take authority over it right now. I curse it at its root. Satan, I serve you. Notice you have no part, no role to play in their lives. And every weapon that you form against them, it will not prosper. I declare right now that the blood, the name, and the word protects them and their possessions. And with long life, you'll satisfy every person in this room and you'll show them your salvation, your great deliverance in every single area of their lives. And I declare, Lord God, complete victory, spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Come on. If you receive that today, come on. Come on. That's why Jesus came. Come on. If you receive that today, come on. Lift your hands. Open up your mouth and give God glory in advance for it. Hallelujah. 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 You might say, well, why did pastor have to take such a big hit? Because I'm the leader. And guess what, folks? I've got to get used to that. Because that's not the last blow he's going to throw. But guess what? I'll be just like David. I'll say, now, wait a minute. He already, I already killed a lion and a bear. And I look at the next situation the same way and say, this uncircumcised Philistine will be the same. Hallelujah. I got some winners in this building today. Man, I'm telling you, some winners in this building today. Matter of fact, Satan should have never came and knocked on your door. That was the wrong door to show up at. Because guess what? You're getting ready to open it up and say, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you're getting ready to get. But guess what? It's going to be a fight of faith. That's why the Word of God says fight the good fight of what? Faith. Tap into God's grace and everything that God's already done for you by faith and kick his teeth out. I'm sorry. He doesn't even have teeth. Massage his gums for him. Make him think twice about coming to your door again. I see everyone in this room supernaturally victorious. Every person in this room. Number eight, Jesus came to sympathize with believers as the great high priest. Jesus came to sympathize with believers as the great high priest. Because Jesus, the God-man, lived here upon the earth, listen to this, and experienced the limitations of being a human being, he is able to sympathize with the problems and concerns every single one of us face. And that's a blessing to me to know that when I go to him, he's already been through what I've been through, which means he can relate to me and then show me something in the Word to help me navigate through that. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and to save some time, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible here. Jesus came to sympathize with believers as the great high priest. How many of y'all have ever said, no one understands what I'm going through? Be honest. See, look at you all sitting there. I don't have anyone I can talk to. Come on, let's be honest. Come on, when you're going through something, you think you're the only one in the planet that has ever gone through that, Right? When in reality, folks, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who've gone through the same thing and came out victorious on the other side. But the chief is Jesus, right? And so I would tell you, before you run to friends, pastors, all of that, run to him. Say, Jesus, you've been through all this before. What should I do? And he'll point you somewhere to some scripture and give you a roadmap on how to come out victorious in that situation. Right? Because he said there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But will with the temptation do what? Provide a way of escape. Okay? Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. It didn't just call him a high priest. It called him a what? That word there means megas. means he's bigger than anything else. Amplified goes on. Let me read the Amplified. It goes on to say, who already ascended and passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. I think the uh, King James Version says, let us hold fast our profession. Well, how many of y'all have ever played tug of war before? 
right? You all remember that game from when you were in middle school, elementary school, you play tug of war, right? So if you can get a, a picture of that, and you can think about your faith and the promises of God on one end and then the enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy on the other end. What you want to do is hold on to your end of the rope for, the, I mean, for dear life and don't let it go. I, I was uh, meditating this, and actually, uh, Akin Tunde said to me on a Friday night, he said, man, this church is cutting edge. The name is cutting edge. You all are doing cutting edge stuff. You know, how long have you been around? I said, well, we're only about 19, 20, about 20 months old. 20, no, I think I said 22 months old. He said, what? How'd you all do all of this in such a short period of time? And because I had been meditating on that piece there throughout the course of the week, it just came out naturally. I said, I won't let go of my end of the rope. And I want to encourage somebody with that today because everything that you've ever believed God for will be tested. But just don't let go of your end of the rope. Hold fast to that confession. Keep saying every day what you believe God is doing in your life. Get up every day and say it again. I I confess a debt-free building for Linked Up Church every single day of my life. I pray over that. I get up and I will not let go of my end of the rope. And whatever promises God has given you, hold fast to it. Make it your profession. Make it your career. Make it a daily part of what you do is to say the right things and say what God said about your situation and do not let it go until it shows up. And then when it shows up, Just keep thanking him for it for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Look at what it goes on to say here in verse, or the rest of this verse here. Well, really verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability uh, to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor. How many of you need to come to God with confidence? You don't need to come up there if it be your will, God. No, you need to know what his will is before you go in there. And you need to come in there with some confidence. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, He that come up to God must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him, right? So if you're going to come to him, you've got to have confidence that he can deliver what you're coming to him about. And if you're not going to come to him that way, then how many know you're disrespecting him and dishonoring him by coming up there if it be your will? Lord, you can if you want to. Come on, let's stop all that stuff. He wants to. You're his children. How you know that would hurt my heart if my kids knew I had money and they said, Dad, if you want to, you, you can feed us today. I'm like, what? If I want to, I can feed you. God, Father, Dad, if it be your will, can we have something to eat today? No, how you know it's the will of the Father to feed the children. So they don't come that way. You know the way they come? Dad, I want pizza today. How many know that's some boldness and frankness and, uh, and confidence? You know? You, know, you know, my daughter who's 15 sitting over there, she'll turn 16 next year. It's interesting that she didn't, uh, she didn't want a 1999 smart car. She came to her dad boldly, and she picked out a car, and it's a hard-top convertible. I said, to her, I said you know, I, I have never owned a hard-top convertible. She coming up in there boldly with some confidence. And saying, Dad, you can do all things. <laughs> She's saying, Dad, you are El Shaddad. You're the dad who's more than enough. And how I many you know that makes me feel like El Shaddad? So I start figuring out ways to get the job done. Seriously. Then I start thinking, all a student, virgin. How I many you know that, that all by itself right there is just... In this society that we live in, right? And so what am I saying? Our children come to us confidently and with boldness. That's how we need to come to God, with a confidence and a boldness. Like, God, I know you're God, and I know you see my situation. 
And so I thank you in advance because your word says you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. So, God, I thank you that every bill that I'm looking at right now is paid. Father, I know I'm not employed right now, but you've got a million jobs you can get for me. So I thank you that when I go out looking this week, when I fill out all of my applications and resume, you're going to lead me to the right situation and I'm going to have favor and it's going to be more than enough to take care of me and my family. How I about mean, you come up in there like that? It's getting ready to be exactly the way you said it is. Let's just say the spouse acting up. God, you seem, you know, her, I'm always doing good. You see her, God. And you see the way, no, I'm just kidding. Look at she ready to take that shoe off and throw it up here. But you all get my point, right? I mean, you come in there right, you're getting ready to leave right. Oh, let me try this side of the room. I, I said, if you go in there right, you're getting ready to leave out of there right. I'm talking about when you get called in the boss's office and you know everything is good, you know you're leaving out of there with some good stuff. That's how you need to come to God every single time. You come in right, you're going to go out right. All right, listen to the rest of this. Let us therefore fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the grace of God's unmerited favor, that we may receive mercy. See, judgment is when you get what you deserve. Now, I don't know about you. If I was to get what I deserved, I wouldn't be standing up here right now. So I thank God for his mercy. Come on, anybody else in here thank God for his mercy? And he called it there that we might receive mercy, watch this, for our failures. And so, so many times, folks, it's our failures that stop us from going to them because we start beating ourselves up. I'm not worthy. You are worthy. You just made a mistake. Like all of us. Hello, somebody. There you go. That's all you need to do is acknowledge what you did was wrong and then don't practice it. And then go see daddy. And watch this. He's going to deal with you based off of mercy, not based off of your failures. Oh, Jesus. Watch this. Watch this. And find grace to help in good time for every need. I love this. Appropriate help and well-timed help. Watch this. Coming just when you need it. I prophesy to somebody in this building. He's getting ready to show up and show up on time. I know you're sitting there thinking, but I only got a couple of weeks before this situation is up. That's too much time for God. Because he only deals in right now. And if I had any faith in this room right now, I'm telling you, you'd have grabbed a hold of that. I'm telling, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how close you are to the end. I'm telling you, in your time of need, he's going to come just when you need it. Just go up in there the right way. And say, Daddy, I know you love me. And I know you sent your son to not just live for me, but to die for me. And then live again. And so I thank you that every need, and say whatever it is specifically, be bold about it. How many know it takes boldness to tell a congregation when you have nothing that we're going to pay cash for our per first building? How many know the enemy is in your back of your head saying, dummy, why would you tell them that? That's just the way he is. He's going to throw darts in there. I believe God is that big. I really do, folks. He didn't bring us this far to not come through on everything else. If he did that, why wouldn't he do this? All right. How many of y'all need to go in that throne room when you leave here? All right, how are you going to go in there? And with what? Confidence, okay? Don't go in there uh, timid. And don't talk big about you. I serve God. I tithe. I give. I haven't fornicated in the last two days. <laughs> how many of those folks do that kind of stuff? How many of those folks do that kind of stuff? Or whatever. I haven't fornicated in over three months, God. Uh, no, don't make it about you. Make it about him. God, you're so big. God, you're so good. God, you own the cattle on a thousand hill. All the silver belongs to you, God. All the gold belongs to you. Just go in there building him up and making it him big. And then he'll turn around and make your situation big. 
Number nine, Jesus came to be an example for believers. I love this verse here. Jesus also came to provide an example for believers on how to live one's life. Now, a pastor should be an example, but listen to me. Never follow your pastor's example. It's lower. Follow Jesus as your example. So if you want to know how to be a good husband, look at how he treats the church. If you want to learn how to be a good wife, look at how the church responds to him as as its husband, should respond to it, right? You want to be a good father, then look at how God treats us. Don't use us. Now, we should be an example, but we are not the example. Everybody clear? It's a much higher standard out there than Joel and Patricia Gregory. So never get caught up chasing people. Chase God. Look at what he said here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Who walked? Jesus. So in other words, folks, you have to take the position. So many people think that was for Jesus. That's not for me. That's not what we just read, is it? Listen, whatever he did, you can do. So much so, he said, the works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these because I grow to the Father. So he's saying a collective group of us should be able to do more than what he did. And now think about a father. What father doesn't want their children to do better than them? Should I say good father? Maybe I should put good on the front. Good parents. Let's just say parents. All good parents want their children to go way beyond them. So that's all he's saying there. Why wouldn't he want us to go way beyond what he did and make him famous all around the world? Right? And so you've got to take on a posture that if he lived it, I can live it. All right? I'll make this just plain for you. When I first got saved at 22... And I made this decision that I wasn't going to sleep with anyone else until I get married and that I wasn't even going to kiss a female until I got married. I'm talking about French kissing, tongue kissing. Matter of fact, Marcus D. Wiley moment, I want our marriages to look like that marriage at baggage claim. I'm going to leave that alone because if you weren't there, I can't demonstrate what he demonstrated because you all lead this church the way he was acting on that. Now, that's for a married ministry meeting, but... uh. But I want the marriages here to look like that marriage at that baggage claim. You all remember that, right, if you were there, okay? Now, when I first made that decision, this is a true story. Every pastor I went to told me it doesn't take all of that. And that kind of disappointed me as a 22-year-old, and it really kind of told on them. It don't take all of that. I remember thinking to myself. Well, then what does it take? So then I realized then I would start sharing it with my friends that were my age, 22 years old. How many of most 22-year-old boys, young men, don't want to hear nothing about not kissing nobody until you get married? Some of y'all sitting in here. You sitting there right now talking about, hey, that's for him. God told him to do that. God ain't told me nothing like that. Ladies, come on, ladies, same thing, right or wrong. I mean, you think about that, and then eight years go by. That's the real deal right there. Here's my point, though. There was no real example for me to look to. I didn't know anyone else in human flesh that had accomplished that. There was no one I could talk to that could actually walk me through that. But Jesus knew how to get me through it. And the biggest piece for it was he told me, don't kiss girls like that. Because he knew me and I knew me. How many of you know, once you start kissing like that, it's all over but the shouting. (laughs) Oh, you all going to sit there and look at me like that, man. Man, that's what I'm saying. That's what's wrong with church today. We got to keep it. We got to keep it real. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You're not kissing like that and, and, and come on, somebody. <laughs> At least I wasn't. To, to me, that was kind of like the clue. Like if we went there, yeah, we're going to keep working on this a little bit. See how, see where this goes, right or wrong? Okay, I hear you out there. Pastor, give me chapter and verse on that. 
All right, I got chapter and verse for you. James chapter 3 says, the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Whichever way the tongue goes, the body goes. Come on, that's the word. Come on, somebody. That's the Bible. That's the book. Right, right. Is that the book? Is that the book? Am I in the book? I didn't leave the book, did I? Am I still in the book? And, and honestly, my wife was sitting right here. It was difficult without that, right or wrong. That was difficult without that. Pecking became... <laughs> True story. One time I, I went to pick her up. She got in the car. She had on a blue jean skirt. And she just got her toes done. She had on some little flip-flop. She got in the car. I looked over. I didn't even see her thigh. I saw a drumstick. <laughs> I saw Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> True story. I looked at her feet. I didn't even see toes. I saw popsicles. How <laughs> I many you know when you're single, you see mirages? You know what I mean? It's like... Everything just messes you up, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Any single people in here know what I'm talking about. True story. I said to her, and listen, it had nothing to do with her. I was on fire. And I knew I could feel it. I could sense it. This is not a good day for me to spend hours with her. And how many of you know you need to know yourself? Had nothing to do with her. I was on fire. And the, and the truth of the matter is I think the reason we made it, the Spirit of God never let both of us be on fire at the same time. <laughs> true. That's the truth. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? That time, now you all can look at me. There were times she would see me. <laughs> And I could tell I need to take this pressure off of her today. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2. Let's look at it another way. First Peter chapter 2. So John said we can walk as he walked. Look at what Peter said. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, watch this, leaving us a what? Example that we should what? Follow his steps. Right? That's who you pattern yourself after, not anyone else. And let's close. Jesus came to prepare humanity for a heavenly destiny. Last verse of the day. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Actually, we'll read two verses. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, and Philippians 3.21. Get a marker there. It says, Jesus came to prepare humanity for a heavenly destiny. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Most scholars believe, and, and I adopt this as well, that regardless of your age, we're going to live throughout eternity with a glorified body right around the age of 33. So if you're younger, you'll come up. If you're older, you'll come down. And they use this verse to, to validate that. I don't know about you. I can look like I can live at 33 for eternity. And they use this verse. And so it says that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, right? For we shall see him as he is. So if you think about the way he is, you know, if you think about the way he came back uh, after his death, burial, and then his resurrection, Scripture said he appeared to over 500 people. So how many of y'all know then he is visible? You can recognize him. Right? And so you can recognize people. You'll know your loved ones when you, when, uh, when you see them in heaven. You'll know. He just didn't have blood in his body, which gave him the ability to just show up. I mean, that's going to be a blessing right there. To just, door closed, but you just show up. 
hey, mom, how you doing? Just coming to check on you. So you can think about it and be there. Uh, several things I can say about this. Jesus ate food after his resurrection. You remember in John chapter 20, right, when uh, Peter and them were out on the boat, he was on the shore and he was cooking fish. And he sat down and had fish with the disciples in order to restore Peter back to what he had originally called him to. So we see people can recognize him. He could recognize them. Conversations was happening. They were talking. He was eating food. And I can go on and on and on. So, folks, I don't care what your body looks like right now. When you get that glorified body... (laughs) With no sickness, no disease, no pain, no more crying. Come on, somebody. And we get to live throughout eternity like that with the people that we love the most. Isn't that a blessing right there? And that's encouraging to know. And that's why you want to live your life right now for that purpose so that you don't miss out on that. Last verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 Uh, says here, just to confirm, we always want to use two or three witnesses to confirm statements like that. He says, who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body? See that? According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Glorious body, our bodies will be raised up in the same likeness, immortality, and glory so that we can live for eternity. So even if we were to lay this physical body down before he returns, how many know he'll pick it back up again? And he'll pull all of the particles back together and you'll look like you did when you were at your best. And even if you weren't at your best at 33, when you get that glorified body, it'll be the one you always dreamed about when you were down here on the earth. So if it wasn't buff then, it's going to be buff when you get to heaven. And it is going to look good. Anybody thank God for that? And you're going to look good for the rest of your life. You look good now. But isn't that a blessing to know that I'm going to look good for the rest of my life? And so if you'll notice in in John chapter 14, Jesus said, uh, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, There you may be also. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, then I wouldn't have told you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so where I am, we can be together forever. Now, how many know it's one mansion? Can you imagine that? With many different rooms in it. And so it's really, we're all going to stay in God's house. And he has a specific dream wing with your name on it. Isn't that a blessing right there? In John chapter 10, I believe right around the, or actually John chapter 3, right around the 17th verse, uh, God said, I sent not my son into the world to condemn the world. I mean, that's a blessing right there to know that he didn't come to judge me the wrong way. He came to judge me the right way. He said, I sent not my son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many of y'all know the whole goal for sending his son was so that you would give your life to Christ? And be saved and live in all the benefits that I've been sharing with you for the last two weeks. And so if you all would, let's lift our hands and thank God for all 10 of those benefits today. Whether it was the way he wants to reveal himself to humanity in a greater way. Whichever one spoke to your heart the most or maybe all of them did. Just begin to thank God for every single benefit. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to come so that he can destroy every work assignment that the devil tries to place in and over my life. Father, I thank you that you have made me victorious over all of them through your word. And my personal relationship with you. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to come, to live, to die, and to be raised again, and to go to heaven and prepare a place for me so that when my time comes, Father, I'll have a heavenly, eternal destiny. I thank you for a glorified body that is in my future, Father, free from sickness, disease, pain, lack, suffering, tears, crying pain, turmoil, free from all of those things, Father, but able to live in your presence and in your glory throughout all of eternity, Father. I thank you for preparing a house for me to come live in. You say, let not my heart be troubled. That means agitated. I won't get worried or fret. I won't fret about anything that this world has to throw throw at me because this world has no power over me. So I look forward to all the wonderful things that as I'm on this earth, you'll cause me to be victorious in, and I look even... uh, further into my future to spend eternity with you, Father. I thank you and give you glory for that. 
Hallelujah. Anyone appreciate everything God's done through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ? Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet for a minute. And I just want you to lift your hands up uh, and just worship the Father for a moment. Just stand, lift your hands up, and begin to worship the Father. As we head into this week, the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just begin to worship the Father for sending his son, Jesus. God, I love you today. I appreciate you. Go ahead and talk to him for a moment right there, just you and God. Tell him how much you love him, how much you appreciate all that he's done for you. Tell him how much you value what he's done for you and and your understanding of the purpose behind it. Tell God that you're going to treat it right, not just today, but for the rest of your life. Father, I commit that to you before all of these witnesses that I'll treat it right for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So while you're in that attitude of prayer today, last thing I said was in John chapter 10, I believe it's verse 17. The father said, I didn't send my son into the world to condemn the world, but yet through my son so that the world might be saved. That is the, the big purpose for why Jesus came, so that you could be saved and live a victorious life. So if you're in this room today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never received Jesus by confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the grave. If you've never done that before, what a gift to yourself at Christmas time. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I am saved. I am born again. But I've made a lot of mistakes, and I know that I've gone away from God. And today, I just want to acknowledge that what I've done is wrong. I know God already has enough grace for me. I know that God is already.